Father, we just want to thank you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Once again, we come to your throne of grace, Lord, the first Bible study of this month. I pray, Father, that you continue to minister to us, continue to make the word more and more relevant to our lives, to our situations. But, Lord, that you will be a God who will, Father, um, Father, you are able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can even ask or even think. And therefore, this morning, Lord, we want to come to you. And I pray, Father, uh, Father, that you would speak to us, O Lord. Uh, teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Let the doctrines settle down systematically in our minds. And, Lord, let it become a part of our lives. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen us in our inner man. Father, that we'll be continuously be filled not empty like the way we heard on Sunday, O oh Lord. Empty, O oh Lord. That will not be empty. That will be filled with the word and will be filled with the spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making melody to God in our hearts. And therefore, O oh Lord, I pray, Father, that even as we receive your word by faith, you will fill us even more. Father, by your Holy Spirit, strengthen us in our resolve, Father, to live lives that are pleasing to you. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. I pray, Lord, that you anoint us this morning, even in the speaking and in the hearing of this word. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's um, turn to Hebrews chapter 6 and let's read verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... I like the skin, very nice. Yeah. Let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, doctrine of, doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So we'll be looking at continuously uh, through the fundamental doctrines. Um, We've been looking at repentance and from different directions, angles, and uh, we need to understand that it is God who grants us repentance. It's a gift uh, from above. Uh, it says, godly sorrow leads us to repentance. It's the goodness of God which leads us to repentance. Okay, so it's it's or it originates with God, and it is a it's a continuous process, okay? It starts with repentance and it progresses with what we call as renewal unto transformation, okay? So that is that is the reason why, you know, it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice uh, in the light of the mercies that you have received, yeah, which is your reasonable act of worship. And then he says, don't, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world um, or uh, do not be conformed to this age. The word is, Age, don't be trapped in time, don't become like Demas, um, who loved this present age, this age. Uh, God has delivered us from this present evil age, it says in Galatians chapter 1. He has delivered us from this present evil age by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. He has transported us from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his, of his, of his son. Why? The whole world lies in the wicked one. The whole, this is everyone. The children of disobedience are being um, uh, are being um, inspired, if you will, by the spirit of the power of the air. And therefore, once we are transported, transported, what we do? We don't conform to this present age. We don't look at 
time as this life only, we are transported to the other age. We look for the age, age to come. That is the reason why it says in the ages to come, he wants to show the exceeding riches towards us in God, uh, uh, towards us uh, that he wrought in Christ Jesus. Okay. Therefore, so don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind transformation that is meton metamorpho so metam metanoia which is a change of mind metamorpho is completely to be transformed into the likeness of his son especially in the in that that we have the mind of christ in other words our soul in our soul we become uh, in increasing measures uh, like uh, his son uh, that is the reason why what what is what is soul meaning our will our mind and our emotions become more and more conformed to Jesus Christ. That is the whole idea of teaching. The teaching is to uh, equip us, to transform us, continuously wash us, and to make us um, think like the way he thinks. Alright, so repentance from dead works and faith towards God. So let us look at repentance a little more today. Um, If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, and let's read from verse 9 onwards. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9 onwards. Okay, let's read from verses 9 to 13. <clears throat> As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him immediately. He just arose and he followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that is with Matthew, he invited him, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners and came and sat down with him and his disciples. Re- really powerful, right? Immediately sits with them and he begins to eat. He makes them you know, a part of him now. Okay. Remember, eating is eating with uh, your... Why is he eating with sinners? Eating means uh, when Paul uh, confronted Peter, you were eating with Gentiles. What does that mean? You're making them as one of your... One of you. Considering them as your equal. Exactly. So, he's, he sits with tax collectors and sinners. And uh, when the, the Pharisees saw it, they said to his uh, disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Hmm? So tax collectors are a special category of sinners. Okay, that's a very, <laughs> a very nice category. Okay, and then sinners, other sinners, we all we all fall in that category. When Jesus heard that, he said to him, "Those who have no, those who are well, uh, KJV uses the word, those who are whole. Okay, uh, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous." But sinners to what? To repentance. Okay. Uh, they will change. I do not call uh, the righteous. I came to call the sinners. Okay. So it's God's will that all of us continue to repent. It's, it's obviously using the word, uh, sarcastically. He says, um, if, in fact, in Luke's Gospel chapter 15, he says, um, there is more, uh, uh, what do you say, rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents rather than Others, 99, who do not need repentance. That's a very interesting term. He uses the word. They don't need repentance. They think that they've arrived. Okay. Um, and uh, they think that they don't need repentance at all. Yeah. Okay. So, yes. So, he, he he's calling, he's, the call is to call to repent and to continuously repent. And uh, to so, so let us look at a few verses that we already looked at. In turn with me to Second uh, Timothy chapter two, you will see some interesting things about repentance. Okay, first ch- chapter two, 
um, in repentance, we'll see verses 24 onwards, 24 to 26. Yeah. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient. This is the characteristic of the servant of the Lord. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Okay. If God perhaps will grant them what? Repentance. So what, when they repent, what do they know? They know the truth. And Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Second, that they may come to their senses. No, that's like what happened to uh, the prodigal son. When he came to his senses, it is something which happens to us. Our senses are quickened. Our eyes, okay, our, first of all, our ears, okay, and then our eyes, okay, our taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay, so what, do you, what if you have indeed that you have tasted and that he is good, what do you do? You desire the pure milk of the word of God. Okay, your ears, so you'll be careful as to how you hear and what you hear. Alright, and then your eyes, you're able to see. Okay, how, what, what becomes, you know, Lord hasten the day when my faith shall be sight. Okay, now faith will be the way that you'll be walking. Hmm? The sun, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, right? That's some, the trumps shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord of my soul. We sing that song, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace? No, it is well with my soul, sorry. It is well with my soul. Lord, hasten the day my, when my faith shall become sight. So our seeing, the way we see, okay, the way we hear, what we hear, like the ear, uh, mouth tastes food, so the ear tastes words, okay? That's what it says in Proverbs chapter, uh, Job chapter 34 verse 3. Our senses are quickened. Okay, we looked at it in several times, just by way of review, review. And then your smell, okay? What will be the smell? It says in Isaiah chapter 11, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of, uh, uh, and, and six, 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 four, and the seventh one, it says, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, and he says, he will be made quick to understand the fear of the Lord. Other translations will use, he will delight himself in the fear of the Lord. Yeah, you can see that. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, this is Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. Seven. Hmm? His delight is in the fear of the Lord, is what it says in your, in your normal translation. If you look at KJV, it's very interesting. Verse three. Hmm? He shall make him of quick understanding. In other words, the word actually is to, he'll be very, very sharp smell. Smell. He'll be able to smell where there is fear of God and where there is no, no fear of God. Like Abraham. Oh, there is no fear of God in this place. Okay. Okay. And shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, nor reprove after the year of his year. So, years are not being used. Eyes are not being used. What is being used? Nose is being used over here. You to understand over here. To get that uh, picture. It's understanding where, I mean, uh, he'll be quick to understand the fear of the Lord. And that means wherever there is no fear of the Lord, he knows what it is. Okay. Smell. So, all his senses will be touched. Okay, again, let's go, let's go back to 2nd Timothy chapter 2, verses 24, 25 now. It says, your senses will be, you'll come to their senses and then you will escape the snare of the devil. The trap that the devil has placed in, a, in our lives. What is the biggest trap? Pride. Offense. Okay. Okay. Pride and offense is a huge trap of the devil. 
And then they have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. Telugu says, Dayala Raju Chetilo, Cheyivesi Vani Pandla. Means I was hand in glove with, with Satan. Hand in hand with Satan. And I was doing his will. Okay. And God rescued me. Okay. So, we were all people who now, instead of doing, the will of Satan is our will, basically, right? Um, and then, so what do you do? When, when repentance happens, you begin to know the truth. You will have increased sharpness in your senses. You will know where the traps of the devil are. The biggest trap end and deception, flattery, offense. Okay. Deception, flattery. In two types of deception, two. There is one is flattery and the other is offense. That is the reason why Jesus tells you, he tells, I am telling you all this beforehand so that you will not be offended. In this world you will have troubles. And in fact, the time is going to come when they will kill you and they think they are going to, they think they are doing God a service. So I am warning you all of this, so don't get offended. Blessed is the man that is not going to get offended because of me. So, you have, this is repentance essentially, okay? In, 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 in a, in a, in a nutshell, what happens when we repent is this is what happens. You escape the snare of the devil. Another, another picture of repentance. If you turn with me to Jonah chapter 3, you'll see a very interesting way how Jonah, in Jonah, how, um, uh, this picture of repentance is shown. Jonah chapter 3 and verse, <clears throat> um, 3 onwards you can read. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 3 onwards. So uh, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three day journey in extent. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk and he cried out and said, 40 days and Nineveh shall be no more, overthrown. Says, people of Nineveh believed God. And what did they do? They proclaimed. They didn't proclaim a fast first. First they believed. That means what he's saying is true. They believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on a sackcloth. Who did this first? The people of Nineveh. From the greatest to the least among the people. Then the ultimate prize comes. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. In other words, even beasts you follow, you don't eat. Okay. Because sometimes, you know, you would see the beast eating and then say, oh, at least let me just go. Our hunger pangs will increase. So, uh, and, and then, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. And yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence of his hands. This is repentance. Radical. Turn. 180 degrees shift. It's a radical 180 degrees. You're going in this one direction and you've turned the other way. In order for Nineveh to turn, first God had to cause his prophet to turn. From Tarshish. From having his own way and doing the will of God. Okay. So, this is essentially what repentance you've been what is it? Basically to humble yourself. And what is the snare of the devil? His pride. Escaping the snare of the devil. The reason why, where, what is the, what is the one thing that you know, that you have repented is what? First is what? You come to, you know the truth about yourself. 
And when you know the truth, you will not say like Jack, Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth. You say, boy, this is what I am. Okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have hundred people. That's the reason why it says, better are the wounds of a friend. Okay, than the kisses of your enemy. The wounds of a friend. Okay, that is the reason why that there's one, I think Tozer was the one uh, who wrote in one of his books. Uh, he says, God grant me three wounds. The wound of contrition. The wound of compassion. And the third one I forget. The wound of contrition. Contrite. A broken and a contrite heart. Oh Lord, you will not despise. The wound. Okay. That's what we know. The pains that, that God has to love. Like Yahweh's, of course, we are not talking about Yahweh's pain. But one of the good pains to have is the wound that God wounds and gives us a wound of contrition. He wounded Jacob. Okay. So what you come, you know the truth about yourself first thing. Second, what happens is that once you know the truth about yourself, what do you do? What do you do? You say, you escape the snare of the devil. This is what, you have to escape the snare of the devil. You have to come to terms with it. Either you humble yourself or you get offended. Okay, you have to escape the snare of the devil. How do you escape the snare of the devil? You have to humble yourself or you get offended. So you have two categories of people. One, at once, Peter preached and it said they were pricked to their heart. And the word is, the word that uh, the, 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 the Bible uses is pierced. Remember, they look, they look upon him whom they have pierced. So they literally had the same experience in their heart. They pierced to their heart and they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And the same thing happens when Stephen is preaching. They, they also were pierced to their heart. They were cut to their heart. They were pierced to their heart. But what did they do? They gnashed with their teeth. They did not escape the snare of the devil. What was the snare of the devil? They were caught offended big time. Who is this fellow? This busboy, waiter of tables. He is going to confront us. Yeah. You understand? So that is the reason how you take corrections determines uh, who you are, right? So you have, they come to that, they know the truth first thing. Second thing, they escape the snare of the devil. Third thing, they come to their senses. Okay. They come to their senses. They may come to their senses. They know what is going on. So this is what reality is. Okay. Senses are quickened. <clears throat> Opening of eyes. Okay. That's what Jesus says in John's Gospel chapter 9. Uh, are we blind also? The Pharisee says. He says, if you were, if you confess that you were blind, then you would have seen it. But now that you don't want to even confess your sin, you will remain blind. Finished. It's remarkable how ironic it is. A blind man sees in John's, John's Gospel chapter 9. And seeing man remains blind by the end of John's Gospel chapter 9. What a tremendous transfer. I mean, you'll see this paradoxes in John's Gospel, right? John's Gospel chapter 8 starts with a person uh, who wants to, who has to be stoned. Okay. And finally, at the end of the chapter, they want to stone Jesus. Okay. And then you have John's Gospel chapter 9 starts with a guy who's blind, right from childhood. And the people, on the other hand, They'll continue to be blind even though they are not. It's remarkable, the contrast. So what has happened? They're able to see. They're able to see how God sees. You see, one of the ways that we need to ask, Lord, how do you see me? I want to see myself the way you see me. (laughs) That is the reason why circumcision is of the heart, of the letter, not of the spirit, not of the letter, whose praise is not from man, but from God. My analysis 
I want you to do my analysis, albeit it might be a little painful. So he says, reveal it gently, but slowly, but reveal it. Some people need a sudden revelation like the way it happened to Apostle Saul. One knock on his head. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Finished. Okay. Isaiah also needed one shock. Some people slowly, gradually, God has to slowly show, show because they may not, they may not be in a position to handle uh, the truth. Okay, you can't handle the truth, no. So slowly, God has to reveal, but He has to reveal. Okay, they have to come to their senses. They have to escape the snare of the devil, that is offense or pride and flattery, whatever it is. Pride, basically, on offense. These are the two things, biggest stumbling block. That's the reason why he says, behold, I put a stumbling block in Zion. And who is that stumbling block? I, the chief cornerstone. Okay. Whoever believes in him will not be offended, it says. Those are remarkable words. The snare of the devil is offense, my dear brothers. Okay. Blessed is the man who will not be offended because of me. And then what happens? They've been taken, they, they, they now realize I've been taken captive by the devil to do his will. Remember? The two people in Gadarenes, is in, in the two demon possessed, says, uh, or rather one, yeah, different gospels use different, and it says after they're delivered, they are in their right mind and sitting at Jesus' feet now. They are in their right mind. They come to their senses. They come to their, the minds have been, have, have been, have been, uh, released of oppression. I'll tell you something. Most of the demonic oppression is the oppression of the mind. That is the reason why it says the wisdom which is from, not from above, but from below, is earthly. The word is second is sensual, which is against sukikos, which means void of the spirit. Third thing it says is demonic. So where is most demonic activity take, take place? It is in the soul. It is in the level of the soul. It says the natural man or the sukikos fellow. Jude 1.17, we'll talk about the guy. These are nat- uh, uh, um, wild brutes, yeah. Devoid of the spirit. Sukikos. Okay, they've come to their senses now. And Telugu, it's very interesting. Swastha chitturai. That means his, his will has been taken over. Now, swastha chitturai means his will has been healed. He was healed in his will. It's a very interesting terminology that they use, no? Swastha chitturai. He's come to his right mind. He's come to the point wherein now he's sitting at Jesus' head. He, he realizes that they've been taken captive to do his will. That's, that is the reason why repentance is a, is a huge process and continuous process we have to keep on doing. And in the Bible you'll have all these two kinds of people, no? People who need repentance, who know the need to continuously repent, and those people who don't, who think they've arrived. Okay. May we never come to the point where we think that we have we are pressing on. Ah, okay, that is important. Okay, only God is able to perfect us, but we are pressing on. We are pressing on. We are moving on. Okay, that is, we are not at any time slacking off. So, the call always is therefore to trust in God. Okay, or to trust in yourself. Okay. So, you'll see there were two people all the time. Okay. Two sons. Hmm? Two people. Two men. Two sons. Two men. Two kinds of servants. You see that. You know, people say, you know, you should not have, you should not compare. God compares. I mean, not in a very negative way. Okay. He says he compares, like, I'll tell you how he compares. 
look at this brother, he is following me. You also follow me. That is how he compares. You understand? Okay. Look at this brother, he is following me. You also follow me. That is what, that's what Paul says. Follow me as I follow Christ. He doesn't say he is better than you. No, he doesn't say that. That, that is not the comparison. He is more talented than you. He is more God. Those kinds of uh, comparisons, those qualitative comparisons uh, in terms of character analysis, he doesn't do. Okay. He look at this guy who trusts in me. You also trust in me. Okay. So there are two sons. Matthew chapter 21. There are two men who go to the house of God to pray. The Pharisee and the tax collector. There are two people, two kinds of servants. But before the two kinds of servants, one will be sleeping. Two will be sleeping in the bed. One will be taken up. One will remain. Okay. One will be, two, two women will be grinding. One will be taken off. One will remain. Okay. And then he says, continues to say, blessed is that servant whom the Lord, when he comes, etc. So there are two kinds of servants. There are two uh, sons, two men who go to the house to prayer. So two prayerers. Okay, two kinds of prayer warriors, if you will. I mean, one is, uh, there are no prayer warriors, of course. There, uh, there are no prayer. That is not a prayer. There's not an example. Okay, the two kinds of two men who went out, went to the house, house of God to pray, and then two kinds of people, uh, and you'll have the foolish and the virgin. You'll see this two kinds of always trying to. Okay, there is a resurrection of the righteous and the resurrection of the unjust. All these two kinds. So Jesus only compares these two just to bring out certain important truths. So let us turn to 1, 2, okay, turn to Matthew chapter 21, let's read from verse 28 onwards, let's read it in the KJV, okay, pure 100% King James Victorian English, let's read it, but what, he, what think ye, a certain man had two sons, I came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented. Now, that's the point. He and he went. Next verse. And then he came to the second and he said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go. Sir, I go, sir. I mean, it's interesting. I think this is some kind of a Nigerian uh, state. Because, okay. <laughs> because they generally they call him father, sir, right? Yeah, so I go, sir. But he did not go. Verse 31. Whether of them, whether of them twain, okay, it's very interesting. Whether of them twain did the will of his father. They said unto him the first, Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say to you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the temple of into the kingdom of God before you. Why? Verse 32. For John came to, unto you in the way of the righteousness, but he believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him, and even you have seen it, repented not afterward that he might believe him. You see that two kinds of brothers, two kinds of sons. One son who said, I will not. But he repented. Two said, I will. But he did not do it. It's, what does it mean? Let me show you the principle over here. Turn with me to Romans chapter two, uh, 10. Romans chapter 10 verses 1 onwards. Romans chapter 10 verses 1 onwards. You will get the principle. Okay, let's go back to K NKJV now. Hmm? Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. 
For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And what, what, what has happened to them? For they being what? Ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. You see that? So what did the Pharisees do? They were trying to seek their own righteousness. Therefore they said, okay, we'll go. But ultimately they wouldn't, they could never attain to the righteousness of, uh, righteousness of God. And he says, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. See that? So you have two sons. The word used is technon, okay, in Greek, which means two children. Okay, both are children only. Who are children? The scribes, they thought they were mature believers. No, they are also children. And the, the tax collectors and the harlots are also the publicans and the harlots. The publicans and the harlots. They are all. He says the same category. One, one repented and the other did not. One changed his mind, the other did not. Why? The reason, turn with me to Luke's Gospel chapter 18 now. You'll see this, okay? To Luke's Gospel chapter 18. Hmm? And verses what, 9 onwards, 9 onwards, yeah? Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, but the problem is not that. They despised others. See, when your righteousness is making you despise others, then that righteousness is not a righteousness from God. You know, I was, uh, you think about it, no? You have, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That he says, those are the people who are a part of the kingdom of God. Now, what is the world exactly opposite? What does it say? Blessed are the proud. Exactly. Mourn. Mourning is a sign of weakness. Meek, meekness is weakness. It's a completely opposite. You, you look at the be attitudes, if you will, and reverse it. You'll know exactly what the world is. Yeah? Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> yeah? Exactly, you just reverse You'll see exactly what the world is. So what did they do? They trusted them, themselves that they were righteous and they went to the house to what? Pray. Okay, now verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One as a Pharisee and the other as a tax collector. Kya comparison. Now look at what happens. Look at the wordings, okay? The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Okay, it's not the Holy Spirit. Okay, he's not bearing witness. God, I, he's thanking God also. In other words, with your help, God, I'm not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. The other said, Lord, I don't need mercy. And look at the way, this is exactly the kind of attitude. Whenever you have 
a better than other kind of people I can be. If you have that kind of, I'm, I'm better than the others. I'm not like other men. Okay. Your standard is what? Suddenly it has changed from God to other men. I am like other men. That is the reason why, you know what God says in, in John's Gospel chapter 5 verse 44. What does he say? Look at these words. John's Gospel chapter 5 verse 44. Hmm. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, it says, um, John's Gospel 5 verse 44. It says, how can you believe who receive honor from one another, but do not seek the honor that comes from God alone? Actually, from the only God. That's a remar- remarkable word. There is only one God. Show you. Turn with me to First uh, John chapter 5, the last verse first. First we'll look at the last verse. Hmm? And then I'll tell you something else. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Now that's interesting. Amen. It's not like, you know, oh, I suddenly forgot something to write. Oh, okay, fine. Uh, little children, keep yourself from idols. Uh, bye-bye. No. Something is mentioning. So let us read it in context. Let us read it from verse 19 onwards. Okay. We know that we are of God and the whole world. Now, there's a word is under the sway. Actually, the, if you put it in KJV, it's very interesting. Okay. Look at it, it says. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in the wickedness, in the wicked one. Okay. And we know that the son of God has come and hath given us an, an, an understanding that we may know him that that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Who is the true God? The one whom you have to believe. And then the next verse will say, little children, keep yourself from idols. So every other God is not the true God. This is the true God. And every other God that you believe in, that could be men, that could be career. That could be your own righteousness, which has become a big idol now. That's the reason why it's in Ezekiel chapter 33. He says, if I, if a righteous man trusts in his own righteousness and I put a stumbling block and he falls, what happens to his righteousness? Everything is gone, wiped off. So he says, don't trust in any other thing other than in me and me only for righteousness. Okay, that means what? I should declare you, you are the winner. Second Corinthians 10 12. You know this verse very well. Second Corinthians 10 12. Hmm? Second Corinthians. For we do not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with that, uh, with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are, wow. So they have a peer group. The peer group of the righteous. Without God. So when you compare yourself without God, you everybody will look great in their fit clothes. Okay. You are good, I am good, and we get along famously. No problems. Okay. Some people might have better fit clothes than yours. That's all. Right. But on the other hand, the moment God comes, Proverbs 11 verse 1, you know that verse very well. Proverbs 11 verse 1, this is my, one of my favorite verses, 1, 1, 1. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord and a just weight, the word is stone. What is that? The stone. Who is he, who's called the stone? Jesus is called stone. The just weight is his delight. This stone you have to compare. Like the standard is what? God himself. There's one kg. 
Okay, the, not the one who gives in, not the Kirana store KG. There's one standard in, uh, I think, some place in uh, in Paris. That's the SI unit standard. There's a standard for one meter. There's a standard for a mile. There's a standard for even time. You know that, right? Okay. There's a standard for time also. Okay. So everything has to be measured according to that standard. So there's a standard called God. So what are these people doing? They're comparing themselves among themselves. And you know what God says? You're foolish. You're comparing. There's no, they have never factored in God. That is the reason why it says, the fool has said in his heart, that is not, there is no God. No God. No God. You see, how antithetical, right, this, the world is to us. When the Holy Spirit come, he, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. He will show you, this is the standard of God. And he will show you the standard of God. How you can re, uh, uh, reach up to those standards of God. What is that? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I go to my father. I'm going to sit at, the, at my right hand of the father. Third one of judgment because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Now it says there's an impending disaster which is coming if you don't believe. In other words, I'm going to intervene in this world like the way I intervened in the first world. What did I do? I finished off everyone. I finished everyone. And it says they are willfully ignorant of that. People do not want to factor God at all in their equation. It's a, it's a, it's a remarkable thing. Today in the morning we were, uh, I was doing the devotion with the children. Little that the righteous man has is great, is better than great revenues with the unjust. Great revenues. What is revenues a standard for? Standard for strength, right? You have great bank revenue, mean bank balance or whatever, talent, whatever it is. Okay, so, you know, in my, in some of the interviews that I see of all these people who became big, no, they says, my talent was my, was my investment. My skill was my investment. My writing was my investment. Okay, right? My mind was my investment. My, 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 my education was my investment. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So they, they never, so it's, the, the, the book of Proverbs actually, Proverbs chapter 16 verse 8 if I'm right, yeah, 16, 8, yeah, Proverbs 16, you can see that verse very well, beautiful, 16, 8. Mm. It is lit, better is a little with righteousness, with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. <laughs> little with, with righteousness. Okay. 318 people who had, Abraham had, how much? Compared to five armies? Little. But who was on their side? God. You see, God, minority with God, always a majority. Kya baat hai? For all the minorities in India, you are always a majority. Okay. That is the reason that God is not interested in numbers. Okay. Then he says, vast revenues without justice. Vast revenues we can have. But without justice, absolutely nothing. See? So, those who compare themselves with themselves. So, what is this Pharisee doing? He's comparing himself. Oh, I'm better than others. That is how a lot of people, they have false solace when they come. Okay, I'm at least better than this sister or this brother. Bah, thank God. It gives them a great comfort. See? The moment you start looking, that is the reason why Paul says in Revelation, Second First Corinthians chapter four. First Corinthians. We looked at this in several contexts, but I want to summarize it. First Corinthians chapter four, verse one onwards. Hmm? 
Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found what? Faithful. Look at the next verse. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge my own self. For I know of nothing against myself. Why? Paul is there. Paul is comparing himself with himself. Those who compare themselves with themselves are not wise. For I know nothing. So, for example, I can compare myself, Vijay, in 2020 with Vijay, let's say, in 2018. Better. At least in some areas. But, oh, has he arrived? No. Who is my standard? You see. And godly people who have gone ahead of me. Okay, okay. You see, the problem is we don't look at other people who are better than us. We always look at people who are worse than us. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll never look at people who are better than us. Yeah. In fact, in as far as the spiritual aspects are concerned, we are content, so to speak, with whatever lot we see in our spiritual estate. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Right? But when we come, when we compare other things, oh, Lord, their children are so better. Lord, my children, they have got a, no, Lord, all these things, all the other things that we are in competition, but in as far as the spiritual, we are absolutely content. For I know nothing against myself, yet I am not what? Justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. And therefore, what does he say? Verse 5, therefore do not judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart then each one's ah, praise will come from God now once he certifies that's it so that is the reason why he is not a Jew who is one outwardly he is the one who is one inward that means this guy is constantly judging himself Lord in your light in the light of your word in the light of your son's life in the light of what you require of me in the word of God how do I see myself so two men went to the uh, temple to pray the other guy is just looking down he is not even looking at the tax collector because he doesn't know what the tax collector is thinking Right? Because he's praying within himself. So he's looking at, sometimes you know, oh, hello brother, I know. <laughs> yes. You know, it's, it's, this, this kind of, uh, you know, uh, he's having all these things in his, but I'm so better than you. Poor fellow. But God doesn't, um, God, God doesn't know. He, God has to tell you, you know. I tell you, this man went down to his house, what? Justified. You know why? That is the reason why, right? That is the reason why, a guy who has leprosy from head to toe is declared as what? What an amazing God. He's declared clean. Oof. What an amazing God. That means there is nothing good in me. You are righteous, right? I hope you have hope. <laughs> because finally you have come to the point in your life. You are saying, you know, I have nothing good in me. See, one of the things that, that you have to constantly keep telling yourself, Lord, that is nothing good in me. I mean, you have to really, really mean it. We can say, well, there is nothing good, there is nothing good, there is nothing good. Very few times, no, very few times in our life, we actually come to this point in our lives where we know and really, really we have a revelation that we are worse than the worst sinner in the world. Very few times. That is actually the most blessed experiences. Lord, I'm so horrible. Genuinely feel that I am the most horrible chief of sinner. You can actually put yourself in the position of Saul and say, Lord, I am the chief of all sinners. Very few people actually say that. 
but we because we don't really genuinely mean it right but blessed is a man who comes to that point of course god doesn't allow that to happen more often because otherwise he'll get discouraged so he at least in once in a life like the way it happened to isaiah he looked at the high and lofty one was me i am undone he was speaking pronouncing woes left right and center to all the other people and then he went to the temple of god finished and he says woes me i am undone i am a man of unclean lips all these people they are also woe i am also woe okay uh, what what does it say in, in, in hindi is very interesting something is very interesting uh, it's very very interesting in hindi okay no problem not have to turn there so he says and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying god be merciful to me sinner i tell you this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted that is the reason why he tells if unless until you are converted like this little child little child okay now what is humility you see humility is a matter of the heart Turn to Proverbs chapter sixteen. I'll show you this. Proverbs chapter sixteen. Hmm? Pride is a matter of the heart. Are you there? I'll show you the exact verse. Okay. The, actually, in fact, it is a very um, verse five, sixteen five. Yeah, yeah. We'll go. We'll go to that verse also. Okay. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination you know the septuagint says uses the word everyone who is proud in his heart is as an unclean thing before the lord that's a stench exactly you are an unclean thing you you stink in my nostrils and where does pride start in the heart you see lot of people are humble outside were proud inside yeah that is how david was oh, we know the pride of your heart that guy is absolutely humble he doesn't have anything about him. i mean he has he's not even thinking about himself that's that's the reason why cs lewis says it's not thinking bigger about yourself or less about yourself thinking about yourself less that is what humility is everyone he says is there not a what a cause i'm not even thinking about myself what are you not even thinking about god where are your thoughts Okay. Everyone proud in his heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. The proud in heart—it's always a matter of the heart. It's something which is inside. That is the reason why the way Job says, right? He says, "My sons might have cursed God where in their heart." And he would he would offer burnt offerings, and thus did Job. continually continually that means he was continually humbling himself that's what it means okay. continually humbling himself everyone proud in his heart is an abomination to the lord though they join forces none will go unpunished it's a matter of the heart okay everyone who humbles himself will be exalted and whoever exalts himself will be humbled therefore what does it say you younger people what should you do humble yourself under the mighty hand submit yourself to the others and everyone be clothed with humility that's a one one verse one word being clothed with humility occurs no other time in the entire new testament only once in first peter chapter 5 verse 5 
humble yourself under the mighty hand of god and he will exalt you in due time okay humble yourself wala to acha danda bhi milega okay the hand should be your hand was heavy upon me it says in psalm 32 when i confessed i when i refused to confess my sin okay when i refused to confess my sin your hand was heavy upon me and my uh, my my uh, vitality was turned into drought of the summer sela then what did i say i said i will confess my sin and i did not uh, i mean i did not cover my sin and you forgave the iniquity of my sin says san 32 yeah i confessed my transgressions and you forgave the iniquity of my sin sela i acknowledged so humble humble yourself okay this is a remarkable um, story about the two temple goers okay a lot of temple goers okay very come ba- very few come back home justified very few very very few very few cry out for mercy and say lord be merciful to me o lord be merciful i think that's one of the things that god loves to hear be merciful lord to me okay aapke darbar pe main aaya hu mujhe thoda karna de do bas that's all and you'll think you'll go empty handed yes there is no he says blessed are those who hope in his word mercy blessed are those who hope and what does it say in jonah those who go after worthless idols forsake their own mercy little children keep yourself from idols nobody is, in other words it's not about somebody praising you not even you about your pastor praising you that is the reason when you fast fast in secret when you give give in secret when you uh, pray pray in secret everything is got to do with god all your righteous acts has to be before god and not before man got it maybe he was fasting in secret also we don't know he says i fast twice a week okay i don't know i mean it's important to fast and we get fast for the wrong reasons if you want to fast because you want to get detoxified it's a very wrong reason to fast okay anyway let's go to the other case now let's go to the two brothers hmm? two brothers there are two brothers let's go to genesis chapter 4 hmm? two more brothers street from verse 1 onwards now adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore cain and said i have acquired a man from god from the lord and she bore again this time his brother abel now abel was a keeper of sheep but cain was a tiller of the ground okay the kind of uh, uh, professions that you choose speaks a lot about you okay keeper of sheep tiller of ground and then when cain is asked this question where is your brother what does he say am i my brother's keeper you see the heart over there what is this guy is a guy who is living for himself that's what it means okay keeper of sheep tiller of the ground and you know to be a keeper of sheep is not easy okay shepherds are an abomination to the egyptians the world hates shepherds out of him comes the shepherd and the stone of israel genesis chapter 49 if i'm right out of joseph right the shepherd and the stone of israel god himself the one office he identifies himself when he's on earth you know what he says he doesn't call himself a prophet right i'm the prophet no he doesn't say i'm the prophet no he doesn't even say i'm the apostle 
Other people say he is the apostle and the high priest of your confession, etc. But when he comes, he says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my, for my sheep. And my sheep hear my voice. So, so you see, when, when you choose professions, okay, a lot of people are tillers, a lot of people are shepherds, keepers, exactly. Okay. Interesting, no? Even in, see, the kind of professions we choose speaks a lot about us. What does it mean? Even when you are an engineer, you could be a keeper. Even when you are a construction worker, you could be a keeper. Doctors are naturally keepers, I think. No, I hope not all, but if at least, um, at least a few, at least in our, the people in our church, they're keepers, generally. Okay. And then what happened? Next verse. And in the course of time, Okay, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Also brought of the, uh, also Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat and the Lord uh, had respect, uh, had respected Abel and his offering, but to Cain and his offering he did not respect. So two people. Okay. So he's looking at Cain and his offering. He's looking at Abel and his offering. So I said, you know, God doesn't look at uh, the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And he did not respect Cain and his offering. There's something wrong with it. Now, one man of God puts it very interesting. He says, the word for offering is a token as if you are giving the complete. Okay. For example, when two uh, people get, when they get married, they exchange rings. In some circles, they don't even want to exchange that, but it's okay, no problem. But they said, this ring is a symbol of my love for you. Okay? So, one of the things that I always want to have it in my hand. What does it mean? This is as if I'm giving myself completely to you. All that I have, I share with you. Whether in riches or in poverty, in health, on sickness. So what is this? I am giving this, acknowledging that everything that I have belongs to you. That's the word. Actually, the word is mikna in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Hebrew. So what is, when, when Cain is coming and is giving his offering, he's saying, Lord, all that I have, supposedly, is yours. And God says, ah, is it true? On the other hand, when Abel is giving the first, right? He gives the best, the first fruits and the fat. What is he saying? Lord, all that I have is yours. And God says, yeah, I know. You mean what you said, but not this fellow. And what happens? Immediately, he is, he accepts his offering. I don't know how that has been, uh, maybe the fire came down and consumed the offering. I don't know. Okay. Abel's offering, fire came. Cain's offering, no fire came. Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your your countenance fallen? And very simple, if you do well, will you not be accepted? You see, this is very interesting actually. You see, doesn't matter how many people say that you are great, you will still not be satisfied. Okay. You'll still not be satisfied. You can be the biggest achiever in any field. You will never be satisfied. You know why? Ultimate satisfaction is when God certifies. This is good. 
Why did his countenance fall? He's successful. Everything is going well with him. But one person did not approve it. The person who matters. See, we are all people who are dying for what? Approval. And we seek approval from places which actually don't satisfy us. That is the reason why a lot of people keep on working, working, working. You know, one of the things that I've seen you know, when athletes re- retire, they start weeping. Why? Why? They have achieved everything. They have millions of dollars in their bank. And you know, many of the athletes, when they say, you know what, I'll be missing this crowd. This crowd shouting down, Rafa, Rafa, you know, it's something, it's a magic for him. That pumps him, pumps him up and that I'll be missing this approval and the love that I receive from men. I'll be missing that. It'll never be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied. You want more and more and more and more and more. Until your back breaks and your body is coming apart, then you'll say, okay, I'll retire. Or you'll come to a point where you say, I want to become the best and then I will retire. Like Muhammad Ali. I don't want to retire as a loser. So in this day, when he's 38 years old, he's going for this final bout and you know, okay, okay, I don't want to finish my life as a loser. He's running and running and running and running. Because that is what they want acceptance from others. Ultimate acceptance is the acceptance when God puts that stamp and you know, Cain is looking for that and he doesn't get it. Because you don't, didn't come the way God wanted you to come. He's, you are coming and offering something and he is saying all belongs to you. <laughs> it's like Ananias and Safira. You kept a part for yourself and you are giving something as if everything belongs to me. No. The word is mikna. Mikma or mikna, if I'm right in, in, in the Hebrew, which means an offering, which is not used anywhere else. It's an offering. It's like a ring which you are giving to other person, but you know, you're not totally with that person. God knows it very well, no? Okay. That's the reason why he tells the official, uh, church at Ephesus, you are doing all these things, but you don't love me with all of your heart. You have works, you have labor, you have everything, but there's no faith. There's no, I'm oh, sorry, there, yeah, there's no, there's no patience and there's no love. There's no faith, hope and love. Without faith and hope and love, you have all kinds of activity going on, but it is not going to be acceptable on my side. So two, two brothers. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he killed him. See? Okay, sorry, uh, verse, verse 7. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And it's desirous for you, but you should rule over. Two brothers. And what, look at what it says in 1 John chapter 3, please. 1 John chapter 3. I want you to look at this verse. 1 John chapter 3. Mm-hmm. 1 John disappeared from the Bible, it seems. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And verse uh, 20, 12, if I'm right, 12. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, verse 11, actually. Let's read verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder his brother? Because his works were evil and his brothers were. You see, God sees his works and he says, your works are evil. Okay. Works are evil. You're not trying to bring it to light. There's something in the in the milk which is not clean. 
and you do not want to bring it to light you're trying to camouflage it in with good works god says no no hiding man john's gospel chapter 3 was 6 70 18 actually 18 onwards okay 18 onwards hmm? for god did not send his son okay he who believes in him is not condemned but he does not believe is condemned all because he is not believed in the name of the only begotten son god did not send his son to condemn okay and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world but men love darkness why because their deeds were evil they don't want to expose it they want to hide it that is the reason why you know what the greatest deliverance for a believer is a deliverance from the spirit of pretense to come to a point where you don't have to act the greatest deliverance for a believer okay you are otherwise you have to keep on lying and lying and lying and you should remember your lies what you lied before so that you are consistent in your lying what tremendous amount of memory you have to use see when people use one when, when this one testimony is true about their lives it doesn't matter which which situation they're in that that testimony will remain the same it's never embellished okay most of the time when they, they meet the lord that test, that testimony when they meet the lord is very very clear that god met them see deeds are evil so what is he doing Cain is trying to hide and God says I looked at your works and I'm, I I know you know you're trying to pretend don't try to pretend don't have to act do well in my sight there are only two brothers here what do you want to act with each other baba two of you only you know the greatest deliverance for a believer is to deliver to be free from the spirit of pretense you don't have to act that is the reason why okay, blessed is the man okay whose sin is covered blessed is the man to whom the lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there's no guile let me tell you what it is that means guile guile is what it's a it's a spiritual problem right in this in whose spirit there is no guile so deliverance from the spirit of pretense is what is ultimate salvation understand el deliverance psalm 32 actually or read verse 2 Blessed is, a, is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin, and in whose spirit there is no guile or deceit or pretense. So you have been delivered from that pretense. This is what I am, Lord. I think that's what Abel was. So he was very naive. He was saying, Abel, uh, Cain calls his brother, let's go for a walk. He goes because there is nothing in his heart. Okay, very clear, very transparent. these are the people who follow the lamb wherever they go and in their mouth is what no guile no guile 144 revelation revelation 144 hmm? let us see that these are they which have not defiled with themselves with women for they are virgins these these are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth these are were redeemed from among men being the first fruits unto the uh, unto the uh, lamb and then verse 5 okay verse 5 also okay 14 and 5 and in their mouth was found no deceit for they are without fault before the throne of god you see that they are without fault before the throne of god and who are these people first thing that it says they are what ones who have not been defiled with women 
Second, they are virgins. Why? That's interesting. What does that mean? They have not even tasted what's in tastes like. <clears throat> I told you, right? Don't underestimate the power of the word. Okay. And these are the people who follow the Lamb wherever. And what is what? What were we? We were all sheep gone astray, and everyone has turned uh, to ourselves to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the what of us all, the iniquity of us all. <clears throat> and now we have come back to the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. That's what it says in First Peter chapter two. We have come back. So God is looking at Ken. He says, "Your works are evil, and you are trying to cover it up in good works. Do well." Don't try to pretend before me. Don't try to come and give it to me as if you have given everything. When you have not. Be honest. That's what he tells. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And you have not lied to us, but you have lied to God. Okay. (coughs) That's the reason why don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Very, very important truths. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't insult the Holy Spirit. Don't lie. So don't try to pretend. In His true spirit there is no guile. To be delivered from the spirit of pretense is the greatest blessing for a believer. And very few people are like that, unfortunately. But we heard all. That is the reason why Jacob has to come to a point in his life wherein what? Everything okay? Excuse me. Jacob has to come to a point in his life, he is left alone with God. Okay. He's completely come to a point in his life, he is absolutely alone with God. Okay. And what what does he say? God says, what is your name? And from that day onwards, you see, he's free from the spirit of pretense. I am one deceiver. Big time. What does Zacchaeus say? I am chore of the first order. He says, if I have taken anything from anybody, by what accusation? False accusation. I told you, you know, it's schizophrenia. Uh, sorry, psychophancy. Hmm. I used a lot of psychophancy. Hmm, chalak. I falsely accused other people that they were beautiful when they were not. You see, because I want to flatter them. Deceive them. That is the reason why, you know, what Paul tells in the in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, he says, "I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. I have betrothed you to one man, that is Christ Jesus. But Satan, lest Satan should come and deceive you by his craftiness, that you should be turned away from the simplicity which is there in Christ. Simplicity. Man was absolutely without pretense, and therefore you to tell it like the way it is." You whitewashed tombs. You are dead men's bones full of uncleanness and iniquity. It's amazing how he just levels their pride. Calls them what, who they are. He never is politically correct. Political correctness, that is what psychophancy is. No? Okay, big time political correctness. We don't want to be politically correct. See, one of the ways you know that you are not people who are given to, you know, pretense, is your ability to handle criticism. Okay. To ability to handle free speech, so to speak. Okay. If you are true, 
If you are true, people can con- call you anything. Like Sister Elsa's famous statement, if it doesn't apply, let it fly. Kya baat hai? Very, very, very difficult for us to, 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 to accept that. It's a very simple statement, very, very powerful statement. We want to put on our, not take off our gloves actually. And we want to fight, okay, with naked fists. Yeah, absolutely. We want to give two, three, five back and call them names also. Very difficult for us to handle criticism. Your ability to handle criticism. Islam is one place where you can never, they don't want to handle criticism. They want to live in this beautiful shell of lies. You should see how much the Islamic mind is warped. The truth is right before their eyes. Such ridiculous stories in their hadith. hadith. And they love it. Okay, the, the prophets prophesy lies. And the people love it. They love it. They love lies. And what do they do? They have healed the wound of my do- of the daughter of my people. How? Fain, lightly. They just put a plaster and said, everything is good with you. The greatest deliverance for a believer is to be delivered from the spirit of pretense. And what has happened to Cain? God is wanting to deliver him from the spirit of pretense, but God, but, but Cain refuses to. I know your works are evil. And that is the reason why, but everyone who comes to the light, what does he do? Look at, let, let's go back to John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 19. Hmm? John's 3, 19, yeah. John 3, 19, bro. <clears throat> yeah. And this is a comment. The light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than because their deeds are evil. Actually, the word for evil is poneros. From which we get the word evil one. It's of the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the, ah, from the evil one. Okay. Cain was of the evil one, and therefore their deeds were evil. And that's the reason Jesus says, you are of the father, the devil, and of his works you will do. And he was a liar from the beginning, and he's a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar and a murderer even now. The enemy comes to steal Kill and destroy. You know how he, how he murders us? I'll tell you how he murders us. By allowing us or, or encouraging us to live for ourselves. That's how he murders us. Spiritually. See, he who loses his life will gain it. But who gains his life? Oh, so what does the devil say? Live for yourself. And ultimately, that is the reason why the steel comes, the enemy comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He is not just worried about killing. He wants to destroy you, send you to perdition completely by making you live for yourself. But what does Jesus say? I have come to give you life and life that too abundantly. So this, what is God? God looks at Cain and says, Cain, there is something in, in your life, something in the milk which is not clean. Just put it right now. Bring it to light. And put it right. It is shameful for to mention those things which are done in darkness. Bring it to light. Expose them. What manifests it? It is light. Let's read from 1 John chapter 1 verse 3 onwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we heard from the from Him and declare to you, that God 
is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. It's very interesting, no? It says in James chapter 1, it says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the father of lights, with whom there is no shadow of turning. The word in Greek is parallax. Parallax error. How do you have parallax? Because of, uh, because of, uh, what do you say, the rising of the sun and the going down of the sun. When the, the sun is going up, it casts a shadow. When the sun is going down, it casts a shadow. When the sun is right up, knows no shadow. You are no, exactly what you are. With him there is absolutely no shadow. With him there is no shadow of turning. So he says, if we say we have fellowship with him, in that, that, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But how do we know that we are walking in darkness? Next verse. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So what is he trying to do? King, trying to hide. Trying to hide. Okay. That is the reason why it says in first Ephesians, you were once darkness. Now you have become light in the Lord. Therefore expose the unfruitful works of darkness and reprove it. <coughs> Don't try to hide anything. Because one day, God will judge the secrets of men. My, that's interesting. God will judge even the secrets of men according to my gospel, he says. What an interesting, it's a gospel of Christ, the gospel of God, finally it becomes my gospel. That is Paul. Okay. So to be rid from the spirit of pretense is repentance. Genuinely. <coughs> you don't have to <coughs> pretend. You know, you are accepting the sin. This is it. One man of God said, I, told, I keep mentioning it, sin is a brat nobody wants to take responsibility for. Okay. We don't know whose son this is. That kid is not my son. We start singing Billie Jean only. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, they don't want to risk, take responsibility. Because who are your parents? That's exactly what they say, right? Who are, who are your parents? Okay. Who are your parents? No, 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 not my son. I remember once Abigail, when she went to the stage, you know, she, she was two years old and the Graceham children were singing and she started dancing. Albeit some weird steps she was doing and I said, no, that is not my daughter. Okay. <laughs> you see, that, that is not my daughter. Okay. That is not my daughter. Why? You see, it's embarrassing for you. That is how sin is. No, I didn't do it. But it says, every man is driven away by his own lusts and is enticed. And it brings forth sin. And sin brings forth death. You know, I'll show you. Turn to Genesis chapter, sorry, Psalm 7. Psalm 7, very interesting. You know what I'm talking about, right, doctor? Several times we told. Verse 14, 714. Look at this. Can you put it in uh, ESV? Yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. 14 and 15, okay. Okay, just 14 is enough. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil 
is pregnant with mischief <laughs> and gives birth to lies. Kya baat hai? <laughs> Super statement. He conceives evil, is pregnant with mischief and finally what does he bring forth? Bring forth? Lies. He's a brood of vipers. That's what he says. Generation of vipers. Conceives evil, pregnant with mischief. And then what is it? Verse, verse, verse 15. It says, he makes a pit and he falls in it. Verse 15. You can read that actually. And it has fallen into the ditch which he has made. In the first law of holes, stop digging. Seriously. I'll tell you something. You stop digging. Meaning what? Don't stop doing mudslinging. I think Ravi Zakra is the one who made the statement. He said, those who throw mud at others, they will lose their own ground. Okay. That is Sitna. You know, Esek? Esek was the first level of Isaac. They started calling this. Strife. What did they say, Baba? You take it and go. Second place? Again, they said, this It called it Sitna, from which we get the word Satan, which means accuser. False accusations. What do they do? <laughs> Never try to defend myself. My vindication comes from God. Finally, he goes to a place called Rehoboth. God has enlarged my territory. Does he stop there? No, he goes to Beersheba. Okay, well of seven. There he digs a well and he pitches a tent. And he builds an altar. All three are there. See. So, he, this is, this is it. No, take responsibility. Take responsibility for your sin. This is me, Lord. This is what I've done. That unconfessed sin, God only forgives those sins which you have confessed. What you, what, what are those sins which you have not confessed? Don't hope one day, you know, because of all my confessed sin, my unconfessed sin will be forgiven. No. No, 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 no. He who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You know the word for uh, calling upon? The word in Delugu is prarthana. To pray. But he who does not obey the law, it says, even his prayer is an abomination. Okay. So your calling also says, I am not here. So don't try to hide. So we have, we looked at two brothers, we looked at two sons, we looked at two men, and we looked at two brothers. And let us look at finally, <coughs> two the ready and the surprised, okay? The ready and the surprised. Two kind of people. Hmm? Let's go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. Onwards. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came... Oh, sorry, 24, verse 36 onwards. Verse 36 onwards. Yeah. But of the day and hour, no one comes. No one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the son of man. And then, for as in the days of before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. It's amazing. It's very interesting. Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. Then it says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. Okay, upright and blameless before God and Noah walked with God. Okay, and then God appears to Noah and he says, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood and you should line inside and outside with what? You know what the word for pitch is? 
kafar from which we got the word atonement same word so where should the pitch be it should be inside and it should be outside atonement and then he says build yourself an ark etc and he makes all the ark and every, everything is done and chapter 7 of genesis is very interesting chapter 7 verse 1 after he finishes constructing the ark god gives him a commendation says noah i have found you righteous now look at that genesis chapter 7 verse 1 <clears throat> then the lord said to noah come into the ark you and all your household because i have seen you that you are righteous before me in this generation can you imagine you already found grace okay he finished everything according to god's plan and then god gives him a commendation says now i found you righteous you are truly indeed righteous okay that's just something which i wanted to mention uh, in passing let's move on let's go back to genesis matthew chapter 24 as in the days of noah in verse 38 uh, uh, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. What is it? What is happening over here? What is God calling them to? Ah, never forget that. No, notwithstanding the fact that there is absolute wickedness over here, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great and every thought and the imagination of his heart was what? Evil continually, and the Lord is long suffering. Turn to Second Peter. If I'm not, I'm not lying over here. Second Peter, chapter three. Second Peter, chapter three. Hmm? Verse, uh, sorry, chapter two, chapter two, verse five. First, Okay, so, uh, so chapter 3 verse 4 onwards. Sorry, chapter 3 and verse 4 onwards. Hmm? <clears throat> Scoffers will come in the last days, right? Verse 3 onwards, it says, for, uh, for, yeah, we can read from verse 3 onwards. Knowing that this verse, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And verse 5, for this they willfully, what? Forget that the word of God but by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. So what was God doing? Long suffering. Verse 7. The, but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for the for fire until the day of judgment and perdition. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord, one day is as thousand years and thousand years as one day. But the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some come slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But what are they doing? Marrying, given marriage, but never considering and factoring in God. There is no lifestyle of repentance in other words. Long suffering. Let's go back. Hmm? Chapter thirty, uh, chapter twenty-four, verse thirty-eight. For as in the days of flood, now they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Amazing, amazing, right? God, Noah had to finish the ark, and then God says He gives him a commendation. Now I know that you are righteous. I have found you righteous in this generation. Therefore, enter into the ark that you have made. What about it? Enter into the ark that you have made. See, ultimately, it's God who has to save us, in other words, from the beginning to the end. And we have to continuously building our lives upon that foundation of righteousness. 
So let us look, look at what it says. Marriage and given, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. And so also will be the coming of the son of man. And then, then two men, you see the comparison? Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two men in the field working. Okay, two in the software company now. Two adjacent desks, computers. One is or all in Zoom, okay? And suddenly one fellow will disappear from the Zoom. I'm just, uh, just imagining, I don't know, because now the edges and two men in the field, what is the care, Baba? How do we apply that into our modern day, two people in Zoom, suddenly one fellow disappeared. And the other is left. Two men will be, gri- women will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken, other will be left. Man, I'm just going to imagine this, okay? Do you believe this will happen? We'll believe this happened. I tell you now, I remember Chandrabos. I told you the story of Chandrabos and Revati. Chandrabos and Revati were uh, two of our close friends in the previous church. Their home was exactly opposite ours, ours in our, when we were living in Tolichoki those days. No? We used to all fellowship together. A guy used to work in Microsoft and one day, she was a housewife. She was still, didn't get a job. She was searching for a job. And, uh, he came home and, uh, the he went like quietly. He went and hid himself in the some some bedroom. It's a huge home they had. Only two people. They didn't have children then. She also came. She went to her shopping and she came. The door was open. She said, "Oh, husband is here." And she was screaming, "Boz, Boz, Boz! Where are you? Where are you? Where are you?" And Boz is not answering. And she thought maybe the rapture took place and my husband is taken and I'm left. She exactly said these words. You know, when she said that, Boz, I was I was thinking about it. No, so sometimes you know when these things. They, they have spoken in a very light tone. That's what we, many people do. They take make light things about judgment. Why do Hollywood make many movies about judgment? To make it light. Ah, it's only fiction. Sometimes non-believers, the way they... People who come from non-believing backgrounds, the way they convict you, my goodness. Chandrabose and Revati, both from non-believing backgrounds. You wouldn't believe it. No, I just tell you something which happened to me a few days back. A few weeks back, one of my neighbors, when was when I was growing up, he he's a Brahmin, okay. He doesn't believe. He he believes in Sarva Dharma Sammelan, okay. But we were very close friends, very very good friends, no, very good friends. Uh, he had a son who passed away. His name is Venkatesan Ayengar, Ayengar background. So it's been a while since, you know, we, we all grew up together, so our families used to keep in touch and uh, we used to, how are your children doing, how are our children, etc. So that that uncle, I call him uncle, he likes me a lot because we had a good relationship, you know, I used to play chess with him and stuff, you know, they were full chess brains those days. And that for the son used to be, beat me lock, stock and barrel, after that I never played chess, I said, okay, I'm not going to play chess anymore. Not because I didn't like chess, uh, I was getting defeated, so I said, okay, let me. <laughs> and then anyway, so this guy, uh, he, he, the other day he called me, because his uh, daughter was going to uh, uh, Europe, to England to study. She, she wanted to say goodbye, and I'm going, so, you know. So he called me, and he read the Bible, he read a lot of things. And he also came to know that I've now become a pastor, etc. So he called me, hi Vijay, how are you doing? How is pastorship going on? A pastor who does not pray four times is, if you don't pray, you are playing under. A pastor who is not praying is playing. It's what he used. I said, where did he get that word from? 
Remember, why revival tarries by? Leonard Ravenhill, he read that book. This is a Brahmin who is telling me. A pastor who is not playing, praying, is playing. I hope you remember Leonard Ravenhill's Why Revival Tariffs. I was shocked. I mean, I, for, for a few minutes I was like, what is going on? I said, okay, unbeliever, Gentile. I put, the, I wanted to put the phone down, but I couldn't, no? Uh, but see, sometimes, you know, it's like, you know, uh, Jonah, right? What meanest thou, you sleeper? What are you doing? Call on dear gods. Don't you, don't you see that we are perishing over here? Unbelievable. Be prepared. Who's, who's, who's telling you that? An unbeliever. You, you wouldn't believe it. I was convicted for a few days that in all the conversation that I had with him, that one thing which was, which remained in my mind. He spoke about Bhagavad Gita, that Gita, this Gita, this shloka, that shloka. And one thing which left, of course, Leonard Ravenhill's Why Revival Tari. He read that book and he said, a pastor who is not pray, play, praying, is playing. Stuck with me like that. Even till now. Still have to, have to come out of the shock. Can you imagine? When did you hear one believer quoting that, that to you? Yesterday's devotion. Behold he, prayeth. I, 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 told, I told pastor something, you know, I, I just wanted to mention this. It says, lacrimatory. When did you hear that word last time? Huh? Lacrimose is a bottle in which you put your tears. Lacrimatory. Stunning it was. And these guys lived in those days and they were prepared for the Lord's coming. That time Israel was not even formed. Now Israel is formed, everything is formed, one generation is also over and we still are not ready. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and, see what is it, what is that other person, he says, he's, he wants everybody to come to repentance, it's a lifestyle, continuous changing of your mind, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. What has happened to the guy who's, uh, the, who, where the, where the seed of, seed of the word of God fell on thorny ground, the cares of this age it says. The cares of this age, not even this world. That means it's trapped in time. The deceitfulness of riches and the pleasure for other things. They choke the word and they do not come to fruition. Okay. Then two men will be in the field. Okay, then verse, uh, verse yeah, first word. Two women will be grinding in the mill. One will be taken and the other will be left. Hmm? What's there for? For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would be coming, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken. Stop there. Luke's Gospel chapter 17. Verse 26. Onwards. Same parallel, okay? And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Yeah? They ate, they drank, they married wives. We know that what kind of marriages took place those days. They were given in marriage, okay, so they didn't, so, the sons of God came and requested, I think, the fathers and the fathers gave, I don't know. Until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, ah, it, as it was in the day of the Lord, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. 
But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Verse 30, even so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And now look at this next verse. In that day, he was on the housetop and his goods are in the house. Let him not come down to take them. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn to go back. Remember Lot's wife, verse 30, 30, 30, 33, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you in that night, there will be two men in one bed. One will be taken. The other will be left. Two women will be grinded together. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two men will be working in the field. One will be taken and the other will be left. And then, and the armed student said, where Lord? So he said, where the body is there, the vultures will be gathered together. What does it mean? The Holy Spirit will be withdrawn completely. Right? When the Holy Spirit is withdrawn, who is going to be revealed now? The man of flesh. The lawless one. The perfect man. 666 will be revealed. Not the perfect man. Imperfect man. 666 will be revealed. The imperfect perfect man. Maybe. The complete imperfect man will be revealed. The man of flesh. Be totally sensual and demonic. You know why? The spirit is taken away now. So what is God coming for? A person who is continuously preparing himself in the light of the coming judgment. And changing his mind, changing his mind, changing his mind, changing his mind, and constantly repenting. That is the reason why repentance is a lifelong process. You don't change one day. You keep on changing. Change is constant for a believer. Only God who never changes. But we change. So what what happens? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. And let's read the last verse together. And verse 45. So the faithful and the unfaithful servant. Therefore you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? Whom his master made ruler over his household and give him uh, to give them food in due season. Okay, that is the reason why Paul tells Timothy, be ready in season and off season. You know, athletes prepare in season and more off season. Your your off season uh, preparation actually determines your in season performance. Now, for example, now the church is going to become light for us as pastors. Off season. So what do we do now? Oh, I have already a plan. During this so-called light days, I want to fill myself more with the word of God. Get the deposit more and more and more so that I'll be ready again if for the season. Blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you, he will make him ruler over all his goods. That's the first kind of servant. Second kind of servant, look at the next one. But if that evil servant says, because everything is in this context. One will be taken, one will be left behind. But if the evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. And begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkards, what will happen? The master of the servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him at an hour that is not aware of and he will appoint his portion with the hypocrites, if I'm right. Yeah. And he'll cut down, cut him into two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What has happened to him? He was pretending. That's what it means. Right? He's pretending, not repenting. 
So that is the reason why today's title, Repenting or Pretending? Question mark. The greatest deliverance for a saint is to be delivered from a spirit of pretense. Repenting or pretending? Question mark. Let's pray. Father, we pray, Father, enable us to be prepared. No matter what the coming days will be, we want to be prepared. Therefore, enable us to continually change our mind, not to be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Enable us not to play, but to pray. Enable us to take these days seriously, Lord. It's times of seeking your face as a church, as a corporate body. Never to put our guard down, but continuously be prepared so that we will not lose our edge. In season, off season, enable us to be ready. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you all.